Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Chris and Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I, I just really sense that in my heart that, that, you know, God really isn't up to anything new. He just wants to do a God thing in our hearts and, and just restore and just touch on those areas and just bring back new joy and, and just new excitement for, for what he's doing. And I'm just so grateful that he is so patient with us and um, just... Uh, I just I'm mind boggled by just his grace and how he wants to just continually pour out his love, even on our worst day. And that's what I'm going to try to. Um, it's got a little ring to it, Fran. Is it a little feedbackish? Um, uh, what I want to do is try to condense or tie in the last three weeks plus the outdoor service on this whole thing of being fully known and fully loved. Uh, if you missed a couple weeks, you can go on our Facebook page or YouTube page and catch, out, uh, catch up on some of the messages. But the first week, I talked about being fully known and fully loved and how that kind of relates to being vulnerable to one another. Can we be fully known and yet fully loved? And the whole paradox that goes with that, and and um, just the, some, you know, it's a great idea, but it's also our one of our biggest fears uh, of what can really happen with all of that. And and then um, we had our outdoor service, and then we came back last week, and I brought in Acts two uh, forty-two through forty-seven, where the the church was just being birthed, and uh, people were getting saved by the hundreds and thousands, and then when the spirit of God falls that God's people do radical things. And someone reminded me uh, this week that when the building plan was going on here, some of you crazy people were selling your diamond rings and, and your valuables just to, to go into the building of this, this um, church, which is, was built debt-free. And that's, that's just a, a praise report in itself. But just when God says, now, God's people respond with, yes. And that's what I'm trying to get our hearts to, that when, when, when God is breathing on us and there's a special move of his spirit, that we're in a place to say, include me. I want all in on this. Because I went over to, to uh, Cynthia when she was getting prayed for, and I said, what, what are you getting prayed for? And she says, I just want more of him and less of me. And I said, I want in on that. And so when, when God is speaking, that's what he's just working on our hearts to get into a place to say, Yes, and that's a risky place. So week one was risky to make ourselves vulnerable and uh, transparent with one another. This, the second week is we're being risky again to saying yes to Jesus because that, we have no control of that answer, right? It's just like, okay, what does that mean? And we, we're off doing uh, crazy things for the Lord, but whatever spirit guides, he provides. And then this week, I'm hoping to wrap it up by bringing it back around to, to be in that place where we're fully known and fully loved, we have to say yes to that with Jesus in our heart. Saying, Jesus, you fully know me and you fully love me. How can I take that grace that you've given me and relate it to one another? Does that make any sense at all? 
So I'm trying to hopefully dismantle some misconceptions that we maybe feel about God's love sometime and misconceptions on, on how we interact with one another and giving each other the benefit of the doubt because I really believe that God is setting us up for a drop of his spirit. Not just a drop, but just a, an explosion where it mushrooms, where um, a friend of mine um, who used to be in youth ministry with me back at Elam, one of my youth workers, um, visited first service, and he said, your word, he says, I, I just sense it, it's con con uh, confirming prophecies about this church. And I was like, you don't know how right on you are. And, and so hopefully you guys feel the same way. And, and another friend of mine that used to be in our youth ministry uh, is visiting for the first time, and it's great. It's been 15 years since we've seen you, and so just fun that um, you get to run into some some old faces. But you look great. You haven't changed a bit, Becca. I mean, just just crazy what God is doing. Um, I, I've lost a little bit of hair, so I've I've changed a little bit. <laughs> so, so who wants to be fully known and fully loved, and who understands that up here? but really needs to understand it here, especially on our worst days. You know, Facebook exposes a lot of us that, you know, I'm just having a terrible day, I'm doing all this, or I'm having a great day. And Facebook, to me, we're always comparing our worst day with everybody's best day. That's how, what I, how I relate Facebook to. But there's some of us that, you know, we can really put on there some of the things that we're struggling with, too. Um, but that's one of our main desires is to be fully known completely seen and understood, and yet still loved. Amen to that? Ed Welch says, to be truly known with nothing to hide is life at its best. And then the other side of this is the Tim Keller quote that I, I've been reading the last couple weeks, but to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. So why we, we put these two paradox of emotions together, what does it prompt us to do with this tug of war in our heads and in our emotion? It kind of, kind of presents to me that, that we're willing to be transparent up to a certain point. That makes sense? That we can, we can be vulnerable. We can expose some of our things up to a certain point. And even to the point of full disclosure, you ever, you know, on your, on your, these tax forms or these lawyer agreements, the very fine print is that thing that says full disclosure. And it's really small because if you actually read it, you might not sign it. And so this is what I think the, the Holy Spirit is after with us with this whole full disclosure of being fully transparent with God and with each other. That we share enough with each other to make ourselves feel like we're loved and accepted for who we really are, but we don't share enough to the point of risking rejection. And some of us are so good at this that we walk just a great tightrope with all this, but yet deep down inside of us, there's a desire that there's got to be something more. Amen? That this tug of war, do you, do you understand what I'm saying with this tug of war that we battle with it? So to try to find some clarity uh, amid this paradox, I guess we have to understand where our desire comes from and where our fear comes from. And not only that, but hallelujah, how the gospel brings hope to those two questions. Number one, understanding our desires. Before the before the fall, um, it's basically they were in this sinless environment. 
that we don't hear a whole lot about before the fall, just that there was no sin. And in Genesis 2.25, they were naked and unashamed. Both Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. How many of you guys can say that today? <laughs> That's what I thought, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave that alone right there. So before sin, Adam and Eve lived this freedom of being perfectly known and accepted by God and by one another. I mean, I, I thought about that for the first time. It's like, sure, they, they, they had this, this relationship with Jesus where they were fully known and fully accepted, but they also had it with one, one another. I haven't really thought about that before, but that was just how perfect the garden was. And, and to understand that, that before all that, that was our origin. That was how God established things. That's what he wanted, his presence to be there so we're fully known, fully loved with him and with one another. But now because of sin, our origin has now become our destiny. Amen? That thing that happened in between that has now become our destiny in John 7 verse, 17 verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that, that, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who has sent you. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13, the love chapter. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. I know in part, but I shall see fully, even as I am fully known. What a day that's going to be. Jeremy Camp plays a song, there will be a day. No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. Tell them I said hi. And as we look for that day when we will be fully known and fully loved and a perfect that is fully loved. God help us, I'm looking forward to that day. But can we speed it up here on earth a little bit by uh, applying some of these principles, getting through some of these myths, uh, conceptions uh, of just how we are fully known and fully loved. So, this, on, so the first step in all of this and finding clarity and some of our conflicting emotions and the tug of war that goes on is that we first have to recognize that being fully known and fully loved, that's not a sinful desire. Can you say amen to that? You know, might think, well, that's selfish. I just want to be fully known and fully loved. But no, this is actually a, a healthy, longing um, desire uh, that God has given us to relate to Him and to others. That's what He intended it to be. God Himself desires to be known, and that he, we are created in His image, and our longing gives this, it, it just, it, it's expressed all through humanity, of just this desire to be fully known. Isn't that something that's man, I just, I want to be known for who I am, but that fear of, well, if they really knew me, would they still want to hang out with me and be around me? So we're understanding our desires, that they're God-given. But now we have to understand our fear, the other side of this. After sin has entered, this is where it changes from our origin to our destiny. After sin entered the world, that, that state of naked and unashamed immediately was replaced with hiding and fear. Could you imagine being Adam and Eve and you're in perfect communication with God the Father? and with each other. Perfect freedom. And then in an instant, the presence of God is removed. 
Could you imagine? I mean, sometimes we, we, we sense that, like, oh, we really sense your presence here, God. We sense it sometimes more than others. And then other times we, we, other, we sense when his presence isn't here. They never sensed it without his presence. Can you imagine that? They always had God with them. And then for that, in an instant, to be gone. Can you imagine the heartbreak? Can you imagine the, the wind getting taken out of your, your sails and just the, oh my Lord, what did I do? What just happened? And instantly, Adam said, and this is the exact opposite of what he said earlier, I am afraid because I was naked. So I hid. How many times when we become afraid after we've blown it, exposed in our sin, the first thing we want to do is run away in it and isolate ourselves. I'm going to protect myself. And that's why I sensed in the first service, and I, again, even in the second service, that sometimes we have this umbrella over us of self-protection that we see God's love raining down and it's going over the umbrella and hitting everybody else but us because we are self-protecting our hurts and the things that we've gone through. Because if that got exposed and people realized me for who I really am, would I still be loved and accepted? And how magnified that had to be for Adam and Eve for that to be gone in an instant. So that thought, all of a sudden, all the comfort in the world of the presence of God being with them immediately turned to a threat. Does that make sense? The peace and the presence of God that they have been experiencing in the garden, now through sin, has become a threat to them because they're now afraid and naked, so they're hiding. And I'm sorry to say that's our new normal for us. That's what we go to when we're exposed, when sin is coming in, and when we feel like we haven't measured up to God's worthiness. I want to change the normal, the narrative of all that. So at the heart of our fear of being known is the fear of being rejected. Can we all agree on that? And the most painful form of rejection is not being rejected for something that we did, but for who we are. We can get over most of the time of what somebody's done to us or what we did, but it takes on an individual thing of now this is my identity. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. We're singing about this morning and we're praying about this morning that God would help our identity to be founded in him. And this is what the enemy does. Because you're afraid, because you ate the fruit, Adam, you could say Adam didn't say, he didn't say that I'm afraid because I ate the fruit. He said I'm afraid because I was naked. He noticed something about him that was different about who he was now. Not because of what he did, but because who I am now and how I see myself 
And good Lord, how do you see me now? And so they try to do all these man-made things to cover up their nakedness because they're afraid and they're ashamed. And it puts them into the sense of deep personal inadequacy and unworthiness of Jesus' love. You tracking with that? That makes sense that because of what we did, it becomes who we are, and we don't allow God's grace to come in and wash that area. Now, that's our new identity, It's this sin thing. And that's where we go to, and it, and it just feeds and, and breeds our, 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 our fear of disqualification. Like, how can you use me? Why would you even think of using someone like me? in all of this, but yet he still does because he fully knows us and he fully loves us. Isaiah 59, verse two, but your iniquities have separated from your God, you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. We talked about last week in Second Chronicles that your eyes and your heart will always be here and that you will hear us. This is the opposite of that because of our sin and our iniquity has separated us. Genesis 3.8 just shared about it where Adam tries to repair their brokenness by covering up their shame, but it didn't work. He still felt afraid. And, and the sad thing about it is Adam and Eve weren't the only ones that have done this. We, we all do this, myself included. Even in moments uh, that we feel that we've successfully hidden our faults and our flaws from God and even each other, we still don't feel secure, do we? In fact, it almost magnifies our insecurity and our anxiety, if we're really honest. Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes the crooked path will be found out. Our fear is that we don't want to be found out. We want to keep this image up. I hope they just don't find out. Let me walk this tightrope of who I want to be, who I'm presenting myself to be. But that's not real Christianity. That's not walking in the Spirit. That's not what God has asked us to do for the people that he's bringing in. I hope you can see this as clearly as I've been seeing it in my in just asking the Lord to make us ready to say yes to the hurting, to the broken, to those that might do things a little bit differently. So we got to ask the question, if, if hiding ourselves doesn't work and give us freedom, which is kind of a weird sentence to say, if hiding doesn't give me freedom, do we really think hiding is going to give us freedom? Why are we even thinking like that in the first place? But if hiding doesn't give us freedom, then what can? And as the worship team comes up, because I want to spend some time, I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to really get real with the Lord in all this area, because I, I can't express enough how much he's asking of us during this time to come to a place of vulnerability and transparency with one another and to really 
receive it from him so we can be fully transparent. I'm so happy that I have the answer to that question than one can. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The simple little phrase, I know you and I still love you. Romans 5, 6 through 8, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. He shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The key word in that, that scripture verse right there is that while we were still weak, and at the right time he came and died for us. It doesn't say that when we got it together, when we were doing good, when we worked it all out, he died for us. While we were still weak, he came. How many of you fall in that qualification of weak? Hurting, broken, messing up. See, we have to notice that the, the recipient of, of God's love there is the weak, the ungodly, and the sinner. Both my hands go up there. And now we notice the timing of God's love. That God loved us while we were still weak, godly, and sinners. So that tells me it takes everything out of our qualification out of the picture. Everything out of our talent, everything out of our good works out of the picture. Because we are a mess without the blood of Jesus. And we're so grateful for it. So this, this passage really corrects, I think, two common misconceptions about God's love. It makes it clear that Jesus' death, he didn't have to pursue or, or persuade the Father to love sinners. He's like, hey, I'm going to go die, and if I die, will that just put you over the edge, God, to love these guys? No, it does the opposite. That's not the gospel at all of trying to persuade the Father to die for the sinners. It says, God does not love you because Jesus died for you. Jesus died because he loves you. And I know this is so elementary and, and, and back to our roots of our salvation, but man, we need to be reminded of it because our works and, and our flaws and our failures always get in the way of God's grace. And we're, we're such... I don't know if it's our culture, but we're so hard on ourselves and we beat ourselves over the head where we put this umbrella of self-protection over us. Like, God, you can, I believe you for other people, but I don't have the, the faith and the grace to believe you for me. And that's why I was saying this morning that he's not the God of somebody else, but he's your God. And he wants to do something personal and individual to us if we only dissolve that umbrella and receive him in our inadequacy, in our, in our brokenness, in our flaws, in our hurts, in our insecurities, and say, as anybody who's been to, uh, oh, um, Bill, what the, the, the guy who did all the, the, uh, the big uh, altar calls? Bill Graham. Billy Graham, my goodness, what a, <laughs> what a brain fart that was. And they sing that song, Just As I Am, and thousands of people come down on a song that doesn't, isn't even that catchy. But it hits you into the heart of where you're at. This passage also reaffirms that God is not waiting until we have it all together, like I said earlier. Because our 
heart-changing performance is like this, but God's love is so steady and strong and unwavering. And that's the beauty of the gospel. While we were yet still sinners, he died for us. A.W. Tozer says this, Jesus Christ came not to condemn you, but to save you. Knowing your name, knowing all about you, knowing your weight, your weight right now, which probably isn't reassuring to a lot of us. Knowing your age, knowing what you do, knowing where you live, knowing what you ate for supper, knowing what you eat for breakfast, knowing where you sleep tonight, knowing how much your clothes cost, knowing who your parents were. He knows you individually. Say that to yourself. He knows me individually. And though there were, as though there was not another person in the entire world. That's a really personal thought right there. He died for you certainly as if you died, if you'd been the only one to die for. Makes you kind of feel pretty special, doesn't it? He knows the worst about you, and he's the one who loves you the most. So God's message for all of us in this is that he knows everything about you. He knows we are weak. He knows that we are ungodly. He knows that we are sinful. He knows that we have insecurities. But he still loves us anyways. Not after you're cleaned up, but right now. And I remember I shared with you the, the um, early um, stages of parenting when Kyle was uh, a baby and in the crib and, and uh, we used to take turns when he cried at night because he knew his diaper was probably full and, and, uh, and Katie looked over and she said, it's your turn. And I said, oh, good Lord. So I walked into the room and the stench that came out of that room was just so overwhelming and just my sleepless mind was saying, how could that little thing create that bad of a smell? And then you, you go on with the gas mask on. And the videos, the real videos of the, the guys heaving, dry heaving, you know, I could, I could relate to that. So I, I go through the green fog, and I, I get into him, and I lean over, and he's, he's like this. Wasn't talking yet, but what he's saying is, Daddy, pick me up. And, and as a dad, would I, do I look at him and say, you know, until you get cleaned up, I ain't touching that. We don't, we don't say that, do we? I go, oh, we pick you up and we hold you. Ah, yeah, I love you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we, bring, we bring them in close. We put them on the changing table. We clean them up and we put them back. And that's the cool thing that when we're in that junky phase and we don't want to be vulnerable and transparent and we want to hide things because we're afraid of all that, if we just say to Jesus, pick me up, he picks us up. And he doesn't leave us this way. That's the, that's the gospel. He doesn't leave us in our junk. He cleans us up and he puts us back. And I'm so grateful for the Father's love and all of that. True freedom doesn't come when we have successfully hidden everything. It comes that when we realize that we've been finally found out. Don't you have conversations when you, 
you confess and you just get it all out on the table and you leave it and you're like, boy, I'm glad I got that out. I'm glad I got that off my heart. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Yeah, there's some repairing and some healing that might have to take place, but there's a relief that there's no more secrets, that it's out and it's exposed and the enemy can't hold it on you anymore. There's a freedom that comes with that. And Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. To be fully known and fully loved by one another, we need to understand what it is to be fully known and fully loved by the Father. So stand with me if you would. We're just going to take some time. I want to share with this uh, illustration here. How many of you have been a part of a foot washing service ceremony? How many of you have liked it? A couple of you say it's awesome. The rest of us couldn't put our hands down fast enough. Because foot washing, and I'm not talking about the people that were doing it or anything like that, but the foot washing ceremony in itself is the most awkward, uncomfortable thing that you can be a part of. Do I get an amen? Why? Because we strip off our, 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 shoe, our socks and our shoes and we make vulnerable kind of one of the grossest areas on our body. The hammer toe, the, the, the foot fungus, the athlete's foot, the corns, the, the toes that, that shouldn't be going in those directions, but they actually do. The, the one toe that is super longer than the other one, uh, you know, and the, and, and the calluses, like if you rub them together, you could start a fire. I mean, we know all this. And that's why they're so uncomfortable. And that's why when Jesus on the night he was betrayed was doing this to his disciples and they were freaking out. They were, we were in good company because Peter didn't like it. He's like, oh no, you're not gonna wash my feet. Peter with all the, the no filter Peter, just, just says what's on his, I love it. And then you got, you got Judas who's sitting there getting it. Can you imagine being Judas, getting your feet washed by Jesus? knowing that he knows you, knowing that you, he knows that you're gonna betray him. Can you imagine what he's going through in his mindset? And if he didn't know it, Jesus made sure he knew it. Hey, wash his feet. You're gonna betray me tonight. So go do what you need to do. You know, I'm sure he didn't say it like that, but that's, that's how I play it in my mind. A guy who fully knows me and loves me is washing my feet. He knows what I'm gonna do. And he says to Peter, God, I'm, I'm, I'll die with you. I, this isn't going to happen. Oh, you're going to deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. No, <laughs> and then it comes true. That's why foot washing is so vulnerable and, and awkward at the same time, because if we are allowing ourselves to be fully known, Jesus is fully loving us in that, mean, that, 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 that moment. He showed love. He showed compassion to all those disciples. And I don't know every conversation that went on, but those are the two that kind of play in my mind that Jesus, the very first, well, it probably wasn't the first foot washing, but a very important one. And then why do I, I get uncomfortable with them is because it puts me in a place of vulnerability of saying, here I am. So today we're gonna break out the foot washing basins here and you're gonna all come up and, no. <laughs> Just saw the atmosphere in this room, just go, woo! But I do want us to get in a place of just saying, Jesus, I want to be fully known. 
I want to be fully loved by you. I hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.